much rocket. They got a million toys of toys you're that I can play with. I don't wanna go up. I'm a toy just kid. They got the best for so much less. You really flip your lid. From bike to train to video Good morning, Fresh Start Fellowship. Morning, at least when you're watching this. It's the evening before when I am recording this. But welcome to our Sunday morning at-home worship service, worship together. Uh, I had some, some worship that we put on to our, our Facebook page. Hopefully you got a chance to uh, partake in some of that, check out some of those videos. And let's go ahead and get started. Let's, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for a chance to gather this morning. Even though we are not together, we are together, and it is so good. Lord, I pray that you will get me out of the way with what is laid upon my heart so that I can just share with our church family this morning. We just love you so much, Jesus. We just pray this. In your name, amen. All right. So we are continuing our sermon series using old commercials, old TV ads, and those kind of jingles to kind of tie into to what we're what we're doing. And you just watched a couple of those, those old Toys R Us commercials. One was from the 80s, one was from the 90s. That that old jingle, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. And I don't want to grow up, that is a theme that we are reaching for this morning. That's what we're going to spend some time with. Now, ironically, that's not what kids think. Kids do not walk around singing, I don't want to grow up. Kids can't wait to grow up. It's us, it's the adults we're the ones that look fondly back on childhood and, and wish we could go back to that time. Um, every one of us has seen a bunch of kids playing and wished we could go back to that kind of carefree, that joy they have. Uh, every single one of us has looked at a bunch of kids running around and looked at that energy they have and just thought, if I could have the energy they have in a day, if I could have an hour of that, how much I could get done. We kind of, we want to go back and they want to come forward. And, and these, these kids, the reality is they can't wait to become adults. And you remember how anxious you were to be an adult when you were a kid? I was. I could not wait to be an adult. I remember the great enthusiasm I had. Couldn't wait until I could eat dessert first. Or dessert only for dinner. I couldn't wait to stay up as late as I wanted watching whatever I wanted on television. I couldn't wait to not have to go to school every day. I couldn't wait to, to escape from homework. I could not wait to be done with having to do chores. And, and of course, the reality of adulthood takes all the fun out of those dreams. Because as an adult, as we all know, there's consequences to too much dessert. There's consequences to staying up late. You end up tired the next day. 
Um, replacing school with a job was not nearly as fun as I thought it was going to be when I was seven years old. And, and I still have not managed to outrun chores in my life. If anything, the chores I have now make me look back fondly on the chores I had 40 years ago. But what it made me realize as, as I was prepping through this and, and praying through the scriptures I was going to use and getting ready to do this, I didn't want to be an adult back then. I just wanted the perks of adulthood. I just wanted all of those privileges without any of the work. And, and I think that's where a lot of us are. Our culture places a big importance on growing up, on becoming an adult. And in and, and our culture, as usual, we can't agree on anything in our culture. And there are so many different, I ask this question, when does somebody officially mature? Preparing for the sermon, and I'm going to tell you, I got all kind of answers. Some people say the age of 21. Others say 13. Some said 15. Some said it's 18. Some said it's 16. Others told me 17. Some said it's 20 when you're officially no longer a teenager. And most of those big birthdays between the age of 13 and 21 have some sort of milestone attached to them. Several of them do. And some people, it's not the age but it's crossing that milestone that they look at. When, when you have the ability to drive, you're an adult. Or when you get a job and you can work and get a paycheck. Or when you graduate from high school or graduate from college. When you get married, you become an adult. When you have children, you become an adult. When you start a career, not a job, but when you start your career, that's when you become an adult. And I think, of course, for most Adults, as we age, we begin to realize there's not a birthday or an event that pushes us over the edge from child to adult, that it's a maturity that just kind of comes through our own choices and through aging. I've been working in student ministry more than 20 years. I have met 15-year-olds that I honestly believe have the maturity of 25, 35, and some 45-year-olds. I have met 15-year-olds that, that they do great at managing their money. They do great at managing their time. They can function independently without people looking over their shoulders. They make their communities and their families better by being there and by contributing. And on the same token, I have met people in their 30s. They still can't figure out how to manage money. They are still causing their parents' grief and worry on a regular basis with their choices. Um, they can't parent their own children. They're relying on their parents to parent their children for them. I know a lot of 30-year-olds, 4-year-olds, that are they're contributing nothing to their community but pain and aggravation and grief. So it's got nothing to do with a certain age. I want to look at a couple of scriptures as, as we go through this idea of I don't want to grow up. And why I think that is a problem in the church. First scripture, First uh, John chapter 2, verse 19. These enemies were in our group, but they left us. They did not really belong with us. If they were really part of our group, they would have stayed with us. But they left. This shows that none of them really belonged with us. This, this is verse I want to sit with for a few minutes this morning. It's not talking about enemies like, like we're at war, like combatants. He's talking about people that proclaim to be with us, but then when, the, when the, the rubber hits the road, 
they're not really with us. That refining fire that we've talked about a couple weeks in a row here from the pulpit, when that refining fire shows up, they flee. They're not really into that. They're not really into that hard work. They said they were a part of us, but they're not really a part of us. And, and I think that that speaks to a genuine attitude that is prevalent in our culture today, in Christianity and, and outside of Christianity. Many claim to be a part of us in the church. Many people check off that Christian box when they're filling out their, their census form or whatever. Many claim to be Christians, but they're not really. Because what they're really saying, just like when I was a little kid, they want the perks that come with Christianity, but they don't want to actually lead a life of faith. They say they're with us, but they're not really with us. And many are clinging to that, to that mantra. That, that's their anthem. I don't want to grow up. They might not use those words, but as we interact with them, we can almost hear that song in our heads. I don't want to grow up. That's where they're at. And, and it's not just a problem in the church. It's, it's out in the culture. Psychiatrists and psychologists will tell you there is an epidemic in this country right now of grown adult men who cannot hold down a job or anything of responsibility because they're just completely addicted to video games and to their life on the internet. There are grown women who are completely addicted to chasing uh, social media likes and social media follows and they can't hold a job. They can't function in a job. They can't take care of themselves because they are so consumed with, with this, this immature thing of getting people on Instagram to like them that, that they don't even worry about their own education or their own health or their own welfare as much as they're worried about these selfish things. Grown people. I'm not talking about 15-year-olds that are struggling with things that teenagers struggle with. I'm talking about people in their 20s and 30s and 40s that are struggling with things that teenagers and children struggle with. We've, we've got an epidemic of, of grandparents raising their grandchildren because the children's parents are out there in a mess in their life. Um, there are so many, I have met so many <coughs> adults, alleged adults, who claim to be adults, physically they're adults, age-wise they're adults, and their greatest wish is to become a, a, a social media influencer. Or a YouTube celebrity. I'm not talking about kids chasing this kind of dream. I'm talking about grown adults caught up in this, this fantasy of I want to be famous and that will fix everything in my life. Grown adults who are content to let their parents or their grandparents pay their way through life. Because they can't hold a job or they can't keep a job. Or they can't find a job that they like, so they go from thing to thing to thing without realizing that, that they're creating no stability for themselves. 30-year-olds completely comfortable to let grandpa pay their bills. 35 and 40-year-olds comfortable letting mom pay their way through life. And it, that kind of immaturity happens in our faith. It happens in the church as well. Our churches are filled with believers who refuse to grow into any sort of spiritual maturity. They just want to sit and take in a sermon like they're watching something on TV and then get up and leave and go about their life. People who keep waiting on God to heal their marriage, to heal their relationships, to heal their finances, to heal their addictions, 
while they refuse to make any changes in their life, while they refuse to change. They don't want to do anything different financially. They don't want to stop using drugs. They don't want to stop drinking. They don't want to stop going to the bar and chasing these relationships. They want God to heal this stuff, but they don't want to make any changes. We've got a bunch of people that are treading water, working at staying in the same spot, while they complain that they're not getting any closer to the shore. At a recent conversation with a young man, he proclaimed to me that he has decided that God isn't real. And so he laid out his case for me because I challenged him. I says, okay, tell me, tell me how you got to this. He, so he lays out his case to me. God hasn't solved any of the problems in his life. He only attends church when his mom makes him. And since he has passed his 18th birthday, her ability to make him is is pretty slim and she wasn't really strong about making him in the first place so he only goes to church when somebody makes him because he just finds it boring he will not read his bible because i am too busy to spend time reading that and it's sometimes hard to understand this young man has a collection of video games and comic books that consume hours of his life every week hours a day he told me that he invests about three hours a day in video games at least an hour a day in going online and buying comics and collecting comics and working on his comic book collection but he doesn't have time to read his bible he won't pray because it's awkward to sit in a room and and talk to god if it's if if i'm sitting in there alone if it's just me and god he won't listen to christian music because his friends think christian music is is uncool and, and what a childish approach to faith. I'm not going to do anything for you, God, but I expect you to fix my problems. And he has declared, hey, God doesn't exist because he's not fixing my problems. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to spend any time talking to you. I'm not going to read your word or study your word. I won't listen to you. I, you have heard me say this, church, over and over again. I have been telling people this for 20 years. When I pray, that's when I talk to God. When I sit down and open my Bible, that's when God talks to me. I'm not going to talk to you, God, and I'm not going to listen to you. The church is the bride of Christ. Hey, Jesus, I'm not spending any time with your bride. I'm not going unless somebody makes me. I don't want to spend any time with my church family, which is also God's church family. I don't want to spend any time with your family. I've decided that you don't exist because you're not working in my life, even though I'm doing everything I can to keep you out of my life. That's a spiritual immaturity. That's an immature, that's a childish approach. And and let me tell you something, it's not just young people. I've had this conversation with 30-year-olds, with 40-year-olds, with people older than me, much older than me, believers of all ages, Some of them have said the right things that that if I listen to their testimony, I'll think they're born again. I'll think they're heaven bound. And you know what? Maybe they believe enough to be born again. Maybe they really believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and accepting that is their way to have eternity in heaven. And maybe they've got just that much and just enough, but they don't want to grow any past that. They want Jesus as their Savior, but they do not want him as the Lord of their life. I'll bet somebody listening to this has struggled with that. Might be struggling with it right now. 
You want the perks of that Christianity. You want Jesus to take you to heaven. But boy, you sure don't want him in your life on an up-close and personal basis. Oh, I struggled with this as a young believer so hard. You know, Lord, get me into heaven. I want that. But stop bothering me about the kind of music I listen to in my car. Get me into heaven. But, but don't be whispering in my ear about the kind of entertainment that I consume. Don't talk to me about looking at porn. Don't talk to me about my music. Don't talk to me about what I read. Don't talk to me about what I watch on TV or what kind of movies I have. In fact, I want you to bless my life. I want you to fill me up with blessings while I'm working on filling myself up with the world and with sin and with worldly nonsense and with the wrong values. Get me into heaven and bless me. We get people that, that all the time... I. We used to have sober recovery ministry at this church. And, and in that ministry, I met some of the bravest people I think I'm ever going to meet. People who came in here and they laid down at the, at the foot of the cross. And they said, God, I need help to get rid of this. And they started doing all of this hard spiritual work. Boy, boy did I meet some heroes. Also encountered a whole lot of people. Hey, Lord, get me into heaven and bless me. But I'm going to continue to have sex with this woman that I'm not married to. I don't want to change that. Get me into heaven and bless me. But, but I'm going to continue to just pawn my kids off in, in the custody of my parents so I can go out every, every weekend and just change relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship, always hoping that the next one is the one that's going to make me happy. But while I'm chasing that, Lord, just bless me and fix all this stuff and, and, and take me to heaven. Take me to heaven and bless me. But Lord, please don't expect me to honor you with my money. Take me to heaven and bless me, but don't expect me to be honest in my business dealings. Don't expect me to be honest on my resume. Don't expect me to be honest with my boss. Don't expect me to be honest with my parents, with my friends. Don't expect any honesty out of me. But, but bless me and love me, God. Take me to heaven and bless me. But don't expect me to really talk to you unless I have a problem. Or maybe I'll bow my head while the preacher's talking. And I hope he hurries up and gets done because I got somewhere to be. Get me to heaven and bless me. But just know that I refuse to get to know you any better than I already do. Take me to heaven and bless me. But just know that I refuse to give up the world. I want you to change my life, but I don't want to make any changes. I don't want to grow up. I just want the perks of being an adult without having to be an adult. I want the perks that come with spiritual maturity, but don't expect me to be spiritually mature. It's the spiritual equivalent of saying, hey, I want to stay up late, but I don't want to be tired tomorrow. I want to eat anything I want and everything I want anytime I want, but I want to stay healthy and get fat. I want a paycheck, but boy, I don't want to go to work. I want a reward, but I don't want to put in any effort. And, and let's be honest, save the unsaved world, and this isn't just immature Christians that struggle with this, because every one of us struggles with this. I struggle with this. This week, I found so much of this in my heart. I want a godly experience let me cut a little bit of corner with how much time I'm going to spend with God today. Because I just, eh, I just got a little bit of headache. I just don't feel like it. 
We all struggle with this to, to some degree. Don't we want to become spiritually better without putting in spiritual work? Don't we love shortcuts? Mark chapter 10. You know this story. Jesus started to leave, but a man ran to him and bowed down on his knees before him. The man asked, good teacher, what must I do to get the life that never ends? Jesus answered, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And you know his commands. You must not murder anyone. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not lie. You must not cheat. You must respect your father and your mother. The man said, teacher, I have obeyed all these commands since I was a boy. Jesus looked at the man in a way that showed how much he cared for him. And he said, there is still one thing you need to do. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor and you'll have riches in heaven. Then come with me. Come with me and do ministry. Come and follow me. The man was upset when Jesus told him to give away his money. He didn't want to do this because he was very rich. So he went away sad. This young man wanted all the godly perks, all of them, without putting in all the work. Now, he obviously was putting in some of the work because he was able to answer Jesus when Jesus said, hey, don't murder anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Respect your mother and father. And the guy said, hey, I'm doing that. The guy was doing some of it. And the guy was obviously getting some spiritual stuff going in his life because Jesus looked at him with love. And then he invited him to go with him. Think about that for a minute. This young man comes up to Jesus and Jesus looks at him and loves him and says, come and do ministry with me. This guy could have been sitting at the Last Supper with Jesus. This guy could have been in the garden when they came to arrest him. This guy could have been participating in ministry, participating in miracles. This guy in the book of Acts could have been part of the early church. This guy could have written letters that were in the New Testament that would change what's in the New Testament because he could have written some letters so powerful that would edge out some of what's in there. Jesus saw some spiritual stuff going on in this guy's life and invited him to come. This guy was doing some spiritual stuff and getting some spiritual results, some spiritual traction, but he wanted all the godly results. But he didn't want to do all the godly stuff. I don't want to grow up. I want the good stuff without the effort. He left sad, and that caused Jesus to make the remark that it is so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he compared it to a camel passing through the eye of a needle, which wasn't a real eye of a needle like when you, you thread something. It was called that because it was, it was through a narrow space. But he made that comment, and that caused the apostles to kind of, whoa, they pressed Jesus on this. Do you mean no rich people can go to heaven? There's absolutely no wealthy people going to be in heaven. And so Jesus had explained to him, it's not impossible, but I'm telling you, it's very difficult. And it's not very difficult because God doesn't love wealthy people. As we know, the path to heaven isn't something we earn. It's not something we buy. It is a free gift that we accept. Why is Jesus saying it's really hard for wealthy people to accept this gift? Let me take this a step further. I'm talking right to Fresh Start Fellowship right now. And if you're listening to this and you don't come to Fresh Start Fellowship, 
I'm talking to you too, probably. All over the world this morning, all over the world right now when I'm recording this, all over the world when you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to it, there are thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people who would trade places with each and every one of you watching this and they would trade places with me because we are wealthy compared to them. You and I are wealthy in the grand scheme of planet Earth. In America, we're not necessarily wealthy, most of us. But in the grand scheme of the world, they think we're billionaires. They think we're millionaires. They think we've got it all. They would, they would do anything to live our life. Why is it so hard for us as wealthy people to accept Jesus' free gift? Because we live in a church culture that has adopted this anthem of, I don't want to grow up. I want to know Jesus, but just enough to get me to heaven. I just kind of want to play around the edges of my faith. I want to go to heaven. I want Jesus as my Savior, but I don't want him in every corner of my life. I don't want him telling me what to do. I don't want him pressing me to change. I don't want him to, to know everything about me. I don't want Jesus all up in my business. I don't want Jesus everywhere with me. Just get me in the door of heaven. And we've got a culture of religion in the Christian church right now in our country that is sliding rapidly into worthlessness. Look, people worry about Christianity being outlawed, and I'm not here to tell you that it absolutely can't happen in this country someday. But people worry about Christianity being outlawed. I don't think we have to fear that. I think we're going to be irrelevant long before anybody would think about outlawing us. And by the time they get around to it, they're not even going to worry about us. You don't outlaw something that's, that's not a problem, that's not a threat, something that, that has absolutely no impact. You don't persecute things that are not having an impact or not really bothering you. Because we're rapidly moving toward a, toward a place where we don't impact a sinful world. We're not impacting an unsaved world. We are not impacting a broken and hurting world because we're just just grabbing the shallow Christianity. I'm going to heaven and I don't want to go get to know God anymore and I don't want to do any more than that. And we're not doing any more than that. And that makes us irrelevant to so much of the world. That makes us irrelevant to our unsaved neighbors and our unsaved family members. Jesus is inviting us, like he did to this rich young ruler. He's inviting us to give up those things precious to us and become a voice of love and peace and grace and redemption in a lost and unsaved world. And we are answering that invitation by saying, uh, gee, that sounds like an awful lot of hard work. I like my stuff. I don't really know if I want to give up my stuff. We, we're, we're running away from that message of give your stuff up. We're embracing. You've heard this phrase about having your ears tickled. This is from the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4. People are going to stop listening to sound doctrine and instead listen to those who tickle their ears by telling them what they want to hear. Why are so many Christians or so many people that are not really us, but they claim to be us? We talked about this. The, the, why are so many of them embracing this prosperity gospel nonsense? Because I'm here saying, give up your stuff and follow God. 
and the prosperity guys over there saying, hey, God loves you and wants you to be rich. Well, that's the one that, that we want to hear. We're embracing divisive politicians because they're telling us what we want to hear. Your problems aren't your fault. Oh, you don't have any money. That's not because you refuse to work. You don't have any money because they're out to get you. We embrace getting our ears tickled because that tells us that we're not the problem. In fact, that tells us our problems are all created by, by outside things. So how do we make this transition? How do we change the song from I don't want to grow up to I want to grow up. I want to get more mature. How do we change that? Very practical example in this story you know as well. Luke chapter 19. In the gospel of Luke chapter 19, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Tax collectors got rich by, by robbing people, by scamming people, by taking as much money as they could get away with taking. So there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, because he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since Jesus was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down from there because today I am going to come and stay at your house. So he quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully. And, 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 and as he came down and was so excited, Jesus is going to come to my house. And, and as he hits the ground coming out of this tree, people, the crowd starts to mumble. Can you believe this guy is going to go eat lunch? He's going to go stay at the house of this tax collector, this horrible sinner. Jesus wants something to do with this guy. And Zacchaeus stood there and he heard their mumbling. In verse 8, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. In verse 9, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus was made aware that Jesus loved him. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Jesus is letting him know, hey, I love you, buddy. Not because he was righteous, not because he deserved it, not because of anything he'd done, because we have a loving God who sent his son to make the ultimate sacrifice out of love. Zacchaeus accepted that. Jesus loves me. He accepted that. Much like the rich young ruler who accepted it by coming to Jesus and saying, hey, what do I have to do to get better at this faith thing? But the difference between those two men, Zacchaeus took action. Zacchaeus made changes. See, Jesus didn't tell him, get rid of all your stuff. But Zacchaeus felt this in his heart, this pull from God. And, and, and Zacchaeus said, you know what? I want to make a change. He's going to love me. I want to be worthy of that. He wants to come to my house. I want to be worthy of that. I am going to suffer loss in order to draw closer to Jesus. Gave away half his stuff. And then he said, anybody I've cheated. This guy was a tax collector and he was hated. Anybody I've cheated, which was probably just about everybody in that crowd there, I'm going to pay him back four times as much. So Jesus told the rich young ruler, give away all your stuff. Zacchaeus voluntarily, I'm going to give away half of my stuff. 
And then the other half, that's probably all going to disappear as I pay people back four times what I owe them, four times what I have taken. Zacchaeus is proclaiming, I am going to end up without anything by the end of today. I am going to mark it all as a loss so that I can get closer to Jesus, so I can be closer to God. Several chapters before that in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them, if anyone wants to come with me, this is Jesus talking. He said to them, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He's got to deny himself. Zacchaeus denied himself to follow Jesus. This feels like a very scolding sermon. It's how it feels to me preaching it. Like, like I'm looking at Fresh Start Fellowship as just a bunch of selfish people and lost people. And I'm up here telling them how to fix it. And, and I want you to know that is the exact opposite of how I feel. I am telling you, I love this church. I think this church is so loving and so generous. And I think we've got so many people here. Not all. Some of us are still working on it. But we've got so many people here that just hunger after things of the Lord and, and they want to learn and they want to grow. We've got so many that are, that are not just moving in the right direction, but doing their best to run, to sprint in the, in the right direction. But I'm sharing this because I worry that too many of us want godly things. We want those blessings, but we don't want to personally change. And, 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 and I want all this and I want to change and I want to change and I want to make a difference tonight. But tomorrow I'm going to wake up and my shoulder's going to hurt. Or tomorrow the phone's going to ring and I'm going to get some bad news. Tomorrow I'm going to go to work and the boss is going to be mean to me. And then I'm kind of taking a step back into wanting what I want more than wanting what God wants. We all struggle with this. We all have these moments. I don't want to grow up. But we must. Because we can't go backwards and be kids again. But we can do what Zacchaeus did and make these changes in our lives. Be willing to let go of some of that stuff that we're holding on to. I could make a list, but I don't need to. You know what you're holding on to that's between you and God. Let me make a confession. I know what I'm holding on to. It's between me and God. My time with him. Over the last month, I have gotten so bad about my personal prayer time. It's still there. I'm still praying. But not like I was a couple of months ago. Not like I was a year ago. I've just, I've just gotten lazy with it. I haven't replaced it with sin except for laziness. I need to grow up. I need to stop saying, God, I don't want to grow up. I want to make it about me. And I need to start saying, God, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you and I need to give you more of my life in prayer. I need to spend more hours every month on my knees praying and talking to you. Less of my life needs to be spent on my fanny in front of the television. I cannot continue to want for God to do things if I'm constantly being convicted that I'm not spending enough hours talking to him about those things. Pray for me in this area, church. And I'm going to pray for you for whatever it is that you're holding on to. Whatever it is that, that you're singing about. I don't want to grow up. I want to hold on to this. Let go of it. And let's, let's start growing up. You don't have to tell me what that thing is. But you know what? 
Tell me if there is something and I will pray for you. You don't have to tell me what it is. If you want to tell me what it is, you let me know and I'll buy you a cup of coffee or a donut or a cup of coffee and a donut and we can talk about what it is, but you don't have to do that. Just say, Mark, there's something. Pastor Mark, will you pray for me in this area this week? Will you pray for me in the weeks to come? Because I got some growing up to do. If you've got some growing up to do, and let me tell you something. If you're watching this, you got a little bit of growing up to do. You know how I know? Because we all got some growing up to do. You let me know and I will be praying for you. And if you want to have a conversation about it, um, I'm not kidding. I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee and and share a donut with you and and have that conversation and, and pray with you about that. Because we all know the areas we need to grow in. And we need to stop playing around the edges of our faith. And we need to stop saying, I want godly things, but I want God to do all the work here. I don't really want to make any changes. We need to let go of that. And we need to say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And then we need to do it. Come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today. Come down out of that tree, you fresh start fellowship. I want to come to your house. When he gets to your house, is he going to find somebody holding on to their stuff? Or is he going to find somebody saying, you know what, God? I want you more than I want me. Let's pray. Lord, help me grow up. Help me put childish desires aside. Help me to focus more and more on you. Lord, give me opportunities to focus less and less on me. Let me be responsive to your desire for me to make changes in my life. Let me act on those changes. Let me die to myself. Let me carry my cross. Let me start singing, I do want to grow up. Amen. All right, church, not really any announcements to make. Um, We're going to put some announcements at the end of this video. Shannon is going to work on that. We have some announcement slides. Um, I I just want to tell you while you're watching the video, there's no Bible study on Tuesday. We'll have that as as an announcement slide. And no children's ministry on Wednesday as we finish up our two weeks that we kind of closed down because of the coronavirus. Um, We are planning on having church together next Sunday morning. But don't write that in cement. Pay attention to one call. Pay attention to, to social media because we will change that if we have to. Things are very fluid, as you know, with the coronavirus going on right now. Um, We are planning on being together. I think we probably will be together. But pay attention because we want to make choices that keep all of us safe. We want to make choices that honor all of us. So so pay attention to that as as we go through. And and I always say this on a video, and I mean it on, on Sunday, just like I mean it any other day of the week. Reach out and let us know what you need if you need something. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of Pastor Steve, but but we love you, church. We love you. We're praying for you, and we'll see you real soon in person.